about a couple months ago who was a part of a college group I did for a number of years when I was in seminary, and and we were driving to Sisters because when people come to Bend, um, sooner or later we just drive to Sisters because I don't I don't know what else you do. <laughs> um, and then you tell them this is Sisters, and if you ever need a quilt, um, there's no better place to go. But I love like Sisters Coffee Company and and uh, Depot Deli and stuff like that. But I remember. In the mountains, the, the drive there to Sisters with the mountains. But um, Brad and I were driving there, and, and I, I remember asking him, I said, Brad, the, the college group was called Vantage Point. I said, was it really worth it? And he says, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. Sometimes I look back, and, and I invested uh, three years of my life, and we did so many things like energy-wise and events and, and all that. And, and sometimes I just sit around, and I go, was it really worth it? Um, putting that much of my life into it and others and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not even there anymore. It's gone. And, and was it really worth it? And it was a great conversation for me just because um, Brad started sharing things with me that I had forgotten about and people that had become missionaries and people that had gotten married and um, people whose lives had turned around and things that I didn't even know about that had happened kind of after the fact uh, and there were really significant things in people's lives and people are important. And that conversation was, was huge for me. And um, so just, anyway, sitting there right now listening to Kim, um, the way I take that in, and, and I hope others do too, is sometimes I look at Antioch and I have that same question. Is it really worth it, you know? Um, geez, God, why are we doing this? And... Uh, because we all go through those moments of doubt, right, and despair. And I think it's things like that and seeing Kim and seeing changes and, and hearing her story um, that kind of bring a smile to my face at the level of it's worth it. It's, uh, it's worth it. And we need, we need to hear those stories. We need to be reminded. And um, I think we're going to start trying to do more storytelling and get more people up sharing testimonies because um, if you don't need it, at least I need it to see what God's doing in people's lives. Well, what we're doing uh, this morning is kind of like a Africa, Africa report slash State of the Union address, and um, hopefully a lot cooler than that, because I always thought the State of the Union addresses were, um, other than like Peter Jennings and those guys, just didn't make any sense to me, and they were really boring. So hopefully this won't be like that. Uh, but we just there's so many things going on and so many things that have happened that there's this like huge gap between what's going on and what people know. And, and so we're trying to close that gap and just share some of the stories of what's going on um, so that we can all celebrate and just rejoice. Because that's the crazy thing about a community of believers is, is that God acts in little areas, in little pockets, and in certain people's lives, and with this small group or this family and sooner or later, there's all these cool things going on, but if we don't communicate those back and forth, um, we don't get to rejoice in it. And life's not always going to be perfect for any one person or any one family. You know, you, you know, once a year, if we're lucky, you know, we have that good week, um, maybe a couple weeks. And so we kind of need to hear the good weeks from other people so that we can kind of, you know, keep our hope and keep our joy and know that God is still there and God is still working. And so we want to communicate those things. Um, and I just want to start with a little bit of this last trip uh, and just share some of those things um, that went on when we went. We started off in Captura, and we didn't actually get down to Buqua. There was some unrest. There was 
uh, a person from a team that had just gotten killed the week before, kind of in the Mount Elgon um, mountains there. And, uh, but in, in Captura, we were able to work with some people there and then even meet with the pastors from the church in Buqua. But one of the first things is we went in with a media team and worked with a woman named Beatrice in her organization, which is called Reach. And it's about that human rights issue that we've talked a little bit about. And it, 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 it was an, uh, um, it's a crazy thing that's going on over there. And I don't care who you are, you look at it, and it's, it's a horrendous thing, and it's an abusive thing, and it's, it absolutely destroys lives. And, and before we left, I think I got a comment from someone that was kind of aimed at, is this one more thing where kind of Americans are going over and trying to change another person's culture and westernize them or whatever? And it's so far from that. It's working with a group of Ugandans that are trying to eradicate this and have eradicated it from a lot of their area. And there's this elder statesman in town uh, in his 80s now, and he went to the UN and was awarded the certificate by Kofi uh, Annan a number of years back because of his work in this area. Um, the, the parliament in Uganda is going through deliberations trying to figure out how they can outlaw this practice throughout their country because it's a foreign practice. It wasn't indigenous to Africa uh, to begin with, and they're saying we need to re-Africanize our people and get this horrible practice out. And so, it was amazing going and working with Christians who are trying to bring um, the knowledge that men and women are made in the image of God. He made them in His image, and that's what it means to be a human and to have dignity. And that this practice is is absolutely horrendous. And we're trying to help them by giving them media that, that's hard for them to produce on their own so that they can take their message abroad and into parliament and show people um, firsthand some of the effects and take it to different regions in Uganda uh, where this is going on and people are suffering. I think we have a, a picture of Beatrice. And Beatrice was kind of the amazing woman for me on the last trip when I went with Sister's Church. And she abs- absolutely touched my heart and so um, she's kind of one of those people that was changing me we went back and helped Beatrice and at one point this trip when we were talking to her she said um, and, and I can't remember the exact quote and I didn't have a pen to write it down but Benjamin and I were there and and she says you know with God all things are possible with God all things are possible and so God loves movement because he wants people to try um, and I, I, you know, I didn't get it exactly right, but it was just the wisest words. And I was just like, oh, that makes sense. If we really have a big God, then why wouldn't be, we'd, we'd kind of be running full speed ahead with, with a lot of momentum, just trusting that the things are going to be there when we need them to be there or that God's going to take care of us when we need to be taken care of. And we're not going to be in fear and trepidation um, or with reserve or anything else. We're just going to be moving forward. So anyways, that's Beatrice and her Christian organization. It was amazing meeting the people who are working with her. That It's Africans trying to reach out to Africa, and we just got to help out, and it was really cool. A um, couple other quick things, and I'll rattle them off. Uh, we had forwarded money, $1,200, to Bukwa, and when all the Kenyan refugees started flowing in because of the unrest there, we told them, go ahead and use that um, to help feed the people because that's what they were needing to do and when we got there I sat down the first night and had a meeting with two of them and 
and said, well, how much that money got spent? And they said, well, 600 of it got spent. And so I started going, okay, well, what do we want to spend the other 600 on? You know, put it into land or, you know, put it into buildings or, you know, what do we want to spend it on? And, and they were just looking at me kind of strange. And I'm like, well, what? And they're like, um, that's the only food that about 300 refugees are getting. That they're living, uh, sleeping on the ground and sleeping in other people's homes. And one time a day, we prepare food and about 300 people come. And that's the only food they get. And, and I was kind of verbally processing. And I said, well, so, so does that mean you want to keep using the money to feed the Kenyan refugees? And they, they were kind of like, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're saying. And, and they kind of interjected and they said, you know, they would rather have food than to have a roof over their heads. They would rather sleep um, under the stars unprotected and have food than to, to have some kind of shelter. And I just was blown away by that. And so I said the first thing that came to mind, okay, let's keep using the money to feed the Kenyan refugees, you know. Um, but it, it boggled my mind. And those refugees are still there because right after the peace accord was signed in Kenya, the Kenyan military is going in and, and there's a war going on in the Mount Elgon region, like full-on attack helicopters and all this other stuff because of um, land disputes and things like that. So these people in Kenya that have fled their homes are sitting in this area that has no um, UN aid, no programs, no anybody. Like it's just isolated. Um, and here, you know, a little 1200 bucks from Antioch is feeding 300 people. And it blew me away. It blew me away. Um, another story, we came back and someone... Um, sent over, wired over money so that this kid named Martin, Martin's 25, and one of the sharpest people I've ever met. You know, he was kind of, same kind of story, born in the ID, IDP camps and just excelled, excelled, excelled in school. And now he's working on his master's degree. And the kid is unbelievably sharp and had this whole idea of getting seeds for this kind of bean that he could bring to the area in Buqua. They have the soil for, and he'd already done all this homework and and it's basically bringing a cash crop to this area so that the people can start making money with their land other than just growing corn, which is pretty much worthless. You know, there's no value to it. And so we were able to wire over money that either he got this weekend or we'll get today or tomorrow um, so that he can get the seed and take it to his area and then start multiplying that, that kind of cash crop throughout the region. And it was exciting to be able to come back and have somebody do that from within the church. There's, let me read it, but... Another kind of cool story is Benjamin, um, Benjamin Edwards, who took a lot of the pictures that, uh, that you're going to see, went to Rwanda and had, it was an adventure getting there, but had about 24 hours on the ground with an orphanage. And uh, crazy story about the woman with this orphanage and about two to 300 kids, and they don't have roofs over the heads of these kids, and they don't have clean water and all these other things. And Ben went there to take some money and to work on a project that he and a, another group were doing to try and bring them water. And upon getting back, Ben's got a friendship with a nationally known photographer in the area and started telling him about what was going on over there and, and showed him some of his pictures. And, uh, and here's kind of the little write-up, because I asked him to put it in writing so I wouldn't get it wrong. But there's a, it's called the WPPI Conference in Las Vegas. And it goes on uh, this coming up month. And it's the largest event gathering for wedding and portrait photographers in the world. Okay, so wedding and portraits. 
means photographers taking pictures of weddings and whatever. Um, and the largest gathering of that is in Las Vegas. And Kevin, or this guy Kevin, basically does seminars uh, as part of that whole convention and conference. And there's you know thousands of photographers, you know, and so he gives um, gives classes and talks and things like that. And he asked Benjamin to put together a presentation to produce a presentation that would highlight the trip to Rwanda visiting that orphanage with the goal that they were going to talk to these photographers, help raise funds for that orphanage, as well as show those photographers what they can do with the craft that's been given them. How they too can take their photography and go around the world and try and raise awareness or spotlight things or, or contribute to helping people by utilizing this, this artistic ability that they've got. So the crazy thing about it is um, not all these people are going to be Christians. Um, and so, I mean, I have this picture in my mind of, of photographers that just see something and go, you know what, I can give back and I want to give back. And there's that vague sense deep in them. And so they go and they get involved in these trips. And this orphanage, this lady is not only a Christian, she's, she could pastor any of us in a sense. I mean, she's amazing. And the worship times, just hearing Ben go on and on and talk about the worship times that he was able to experience with them. So I have this picture of photographers starting to do this and, and actually coming to know the Lord because of the people they're ministering to. Because like Kim was singing, um, it'll change them. And they have a theology of suffering that's just so unreal. And it, and it touches people. Um, and it touches us. And so uh, that was something pretty amazing. We were able to take meds over to stock a clinic, which was pretty cool. So there's all these things kind of going that way. Um, and what really kind of brought me joy when we got back and I started looking at some of these things and, and seeing what was happening with Ben and his conversations and how that went somewhere was this realization that um, those of you who golfed at the golf tournament last fall, just Aspen Lakes, um, you know, shooting 110, um, and those of you that bought like a coffee mug at the last Art Sunday and, and you bought a little coffee mug and you're drinking out of that, all, those mon- all that money is, was what was finding its way down the road like that. And it's, it's cool to see how the little things that we do, an Art Sunday out front here or a, a golf tournament, how those are dominoes and, and they just start falling and you don't know where it's going to go. And the next thing, it's in Las Vegas with Ben's presentation, talking to photographers. And we have a hand in getting Ben over there and kind of jumpstarting that. And it's this wild kind of progression. So I thought it'd be cool to have a visual. So here's a little video of Domino's or a picture. (laughs) Um, There it is. I love love Domino's when it like splits off. Domino's to me are the most boring thing in the world when it's just like one row. But you know, like, I couldn't find the right video. Kip helped me with this one. But you know when, the, like, the one row comes in and it goes into, like, ten rows all of a sudden? Like, that's when Domino's gets exciting, you know? It's like the domino highlight reel part. Um, or when things fall and hit other things like that. Otherwise, it's boring. Uh, but watching the domino effect happen with what's going on in Africa, and it's just... It's pretty cool to see where it might go, just as it keeps spreading out. So um, that's a little bit just on that trip, and um, just an encouragement. The next time we have an art Sunday, um, you can buy a mug, 
and it'll go to something good. Uh, on May 18th, we're actually going to take Ben's pictures and line the hallways with those so that people can order those pictures, and all that money will go back to Africa uh, in the places where Ben took the pictures. So it's something to be looking forward to. Um, different things, kind of moving along. The uh, While I was in Africa, I, I got some emails, and it was this really kind of strange experience, just like, oh, how did that happen? But I got an email from um, that that they were in dialogue, the church staff was in dialogue with Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and they had these conference calls set up, and so uh, it, was, it was kind of an odd thing. I'm like, well, what's going on, and how did that happen? And, and basically what happened is they, they, the president of Moody has sanctioned Antioch to be the official intern kind of location for, like, Moody students. And so here's what goes on at Moody. Every student has to do a semester internship somewhere. And so there's like 100 organizations that are, that are in there trying to say, hey, we got an internship program. You can come here. Hey, we got an internship program. And trying to put that in front of students. And what the president at Moody did was kind of call out Antioch and say, you'll be kind of an official sanctioned one. I'm going to walk in um, your brochure to every department head at Moody so that they've got it to give to students. And you can fly someone out and we'll kind of give them top billing, let them present, you know, your internship program there um, kind of in this way as being an actual kind of partnered thing with Moody. And so Linda's flying out on the t- uh, 10th or 13th of April, Linda Janney, the middle school director, and is going to go back and work on talking to Moody kids about coming to Antioch for the summer and being interns. And so it's just this kind of weird thing. I don't know what else to say about it other than... Um, we might have like a half dozen interns here this summer, which would be really cool. Kids that are studying and, and looking to go into ministry, which is basically what Moody is about. And so it's kind of exciting that way. So if you have like a little garage apartment or a little detached spot, um, we're going to be asking for some places maybe to house interns. If you've got children in the, the children's programs, whether it's middle school, high school, little kids, it's exciting to think that there's going to be interns coming from Moody. They're going to be working with your kids. And so we're just kind of surprised by that, but excited just to see what God's doing there. And it's neat that somebody is flying Linda out um, to Moody. And just a side note there, there's a lot of generous people at this church that are doing things kind of under the radar. A lot of times there's an amazing food spread out front on Sundays and you'll grab that food, and you're thinking, wow, that's really cool. A lot of people do that, and they just do it on their own and don't even ask for reimbursement. And if you are looking at, like, all the new aprons and vests and the kids' logo over in the kids' department, somebody kind of um, put forward money specifically for that. And if you look on the back of your bulletin, if you just look at it, um, half of our directors are staff people that volunteer, they just give of their time for free in a staff capacity um, because they're, they're excited about what God's doing. And so just a side note, it's really neat to see what, what God does through people who are passionate um, for ministry. Uh, next thing, just kind of moving along, uh, kind of like the Moody thing, a, a partnership that, that has happened, which is hard to talk about. And I'll just kind of try and hit a couple highlights. It's hard to talk about because it's really big and wild and different. Um, but Dan Brosey, Dan and Tambry Brosey go to Antioch. They've been uh, coming here since the fall. 
and Dan is the International Programs Director of World Relief. And so you might have remembered last Art Sunday, um, they were interviewed up here. And Dan and I have been talking since September, and one of the things that happened with World Relief was Antioch looked at partnering with World Relief way back when we first started, and the organization is set up so that uh, to even call yourself a friend of World Relief, you have to give $50,000 a year. And that's just to say, hi, I'm a friend, um, and I'm affiliated. And then if you want to do a trip on top of that, you know, you'd have to pay for that, and you'd have to work that out, and it would be kind of jumping through the hoops and, and fitting within kind of the boundaries and the guidelines that way. And so real quickly, we washed out, and that was sad for us because as we researched all around, everyone we talked to, even people from different organizations, told us that the best organization, global organization out there was World Relief. And a lot of it has to do with the infrastructure, the people, um, but they also have an amazing vision of balancing relief work um, with their Christian testimony. That it's not just a bunch of going and helping people and Christ's not a part of it, or it's not just going and telling people about Christ but not doing anything about their physical needs. It's really a, a blend of both of those things, and it's a really cool thing that's going on. And World Relief is able to get grants from USAID and Gates Foundation and things like that. And so we were told this is an amazing organization to get involved with, and then when we were told that 50000 thing, um, we washed out of the system real quick, and we just kind of flushed out. Um, Dan and I started talking in the fall, and, and what's going on is... Things have changed so much with missions in the States and even internationally. The world is flat. Communications are so much easier. Travel is so much easier. And in the American church, uh, people no longer just want to support a missionary. There's really a movement of passionate people that want to be vitally engaged in missions. They want to know that they're actually tangibly making a difference. They want to go themselves. Um, They want to be involved. And so there's a lot of churches like Antioch that just have a lot of passion and a lot of kind of missional zeal. And Dan's and and a lot of guys in World Relief are just sad that those churches can't somehow um, be partnered with World Relief in a meaningful way. And basically the way I've, I've kind of phrased it in my own mind is World Relief is an organization that's been around a long time and they know how to look for oil. And they're looking for oil, which is basically money. And if you don't have oil, it's hard for them to to be able to build a relationship with the church. And so what needs to happen in some sense is uh, they need to be able to see other natural resources like coal or timber or minerals and learn how to mine those so that churches can be involved with them and they can benefit from the different types of, of things that God has gifted churches with. Does that make sense? And so Dan and I were talking and talking about what needs to happen on the American side and how does an organization like World Relief change and connect with churches. And out of those conversations, basically, a plan was hatched and documents were kind of crafted and it started going up the chain of command at World Relief. And um, in, I think it was February. In February, the document went before the president of World Relief and the board of directors of World Relief. And they basically approved the the plan. And here's kind of the press release statement um, in quotes, the kind of in quotes thing. And it's this, uh, World Relief as an organization has given approval to its international director, Dan Brosi, to work in conjunction with Antioch Church in Bend to explore, brainstorm, and experiment with new models and ideas for collaboration between missional churches, world relief, and international fields. That's the the missions context. The project has the rights and privileges stated above, which obviously you can't see. 
uh, and will report ideas and findings to World Relief at a specified date. But it actually created a lot of waves because it's really unheard of. And so without even having to pay the $50,000 to link up with World Relief in the back of the line, in some sense we've been put in a position because Dan is at this church to be able to work with him and just have an open field in front of us to, to figure out new ways of communicating, new ways of selling the vision, new ways of collaboration and getting smaller churches and different churches involved in a way that previously would have, would have not made sense. Uh, to be able to maybe even speak into an organization and tell them, here's some language you can use, here's how you can understand better the American church and the American mindset. Uh, Antioch's in, in a unique position where a church plant in the Northwest and so we're kind of 10 years ahead of the rest of the country in terms of what church is going to look like. And so we really get to scout out and be able to report back and try and help an organization um, that's huge and that's worth helping. Um, and my prayer is that there's something good that comes out of that. But it's an amazing opportunity that's kind of come down that way. And a couple things that just make it amazing for Antioch. And I'll, I'll just give you a couple things. One um, you saw Kim's picture of little Danny. And when I was over there, I remember sitting there watching the two of them, and I was like, uh, I mean, this is like the gospel in some sense, in a microcosm. Like if you could put it in a jar. Um, you see the kid's face, and you, you understand the story behind it, and you're, you're just, your heart gets touched, and you say, this is, this is right. This is what God you know, wants for us to do. And my mind immediately starts going, how do we maximize this kind of thing? Now, Antioch doesn't have the money, and we don't have the size, and we don't have the, the structure or the expertise to try and help tons and tons and tons of little orphan kids. But we don't necessarily need to, because there's organizations that already have the people on the ground, that already have the programs in place, that are already doing amazing things. And if we're able to help maximize that somehow, then we don't just help one little Danny, we help potentially hundreds or even thousands of them. And that's really the mindset that most, I think, people would have. Step back, be strategic. How do we not only help this one kid, but how do we help just a whole slew of them and maximize our efforts? It's the way every mega church in America thinks about it now. If you're saddleback, you step back and say, we don't just want to go over and build a playset. set. How do, we, how do we create structures so that we can multiply play sets all over South America or something like that? Because you want to get to the top as, as far as you can go so that the trickle-down has the greatest impact. Does that make sense? Okay. Antioch, as a church of 300 or whatever in Bend, Oregon, um, has absolutely no shot of getting to the top of anything and have any kind of trickle-down. Um, we, we don't. And so I don't understand this because in some sense what's happened is because of the, the relationship and the people that God has sent to this church, we do in some sense get to go to the front of the line and potentially speak into things that have a trickle down and have an amazing impact at the bottom level of that triangle. Does that make sense? And to be a church our size and to be able to operate at that level with that kind of potential is an amazing thing. Um, Some other amazing things that come out of that. We get to use our gifts in meaningful ways. Typically, uh, cash is the only thing that plays in missions. You got to have money. Um, and Antioch doesn't, you know, we don't have money. We have creativity, and we have a lot of art, and we have a lot of artists, and we understand media really well. And so how do you use those things meaningfully in missions? 
Well, with this kind of partnership with World Relief, while we're in the States, not even over in Africa, on this end of things, we're able to take those gifts and put those into a meaningful, um, use them in a meaningful way that actually could affect an organization that's global. And so you do one small little tweak, and then you see the ripple effect, and you go, wow. Um, and to me, that's the definition of a spiritual gift. Like when the, if you think of a stereo, like the input comes in here and the output comes out there. And that's called amplification, like your, your amplifier. You know, the signal gets amplified. Does that make sense? That's what spiritual gifted, uh, gifting does. You see somebody get up to speak, and it's like this amazing message that touches people, and you're like, um, the guy's a bumbling idiot. How did that happen? The input was here. The output was here. Well, God kind of partnered with them in a spiritual way. And so I think God's kind of doing that with Antioch, that what we can contribute is down here, and the potential for impact is up here. And what's the difference? And that's kind of God being involved. Um, so that's an amazing thing. Another amazing thing is uh, we're going to have world relief missionaries and key people all of a sudden coming through Bend because we're a major metropolis with an international airport. And so now we're like a stopping place, um, a logical stopping place for people. But but seriously, uh, it looks like May 18th, the, the vice president of World Relief is going to be out here joining us and potentially speaking. Um, I think in April, the head of HIV AIDS for all of Asia is going to be in on a Saturday night, and we're going to try and get a talk for Antioch people with him. Uh, the country director for Burundi is looking to try and get out here in May as well. And, and what's going to happen is we're going to start to see people flowing through Bend because of this collaboration with World Relief. And, and we get amazingly blessed by having those people here educating us, um, helping us understand the world better. It's just, it's just an opportunity that I would have never dreamed of for this church that we would get to have those kinds of people coming up and sharing from their experiences with us. Um, it's not the kind of thing that would typically happen at churches like us, and, and I'm amazed by that. And so I'm super stoked about getting some people out here and learning. Um, because the only other way to learn is to go and, you know, who gets the chance to go to Africa every month? But to have these speakers out is going to be a kind of crazy thing. Um, getting off that one for just, you know, or moving on. I hope you get a sense of just kind of how big that is and, and what an amazing opportunity that is. And, and it flows right into kind of the next one that's on the cusp and is going to be happening next month. And we haven't talked a lot about it. Some of you might know, others you might not. But um, back in December, uh, High Desert Christian College that, that's kind of been centered in Central Oregon was given to Antioch. Um, so the, the school was kind of just handed to Antioch, and, and so we've had it since then. We haven't talked about it or really done anything until we were kind of ready to come out with a new name and a new vision and just take all the work that had been done there and go a different direction with it. Um, and that's going to be starting in a big way this next month. And it's going to be uh, aimed at being a missions-type school that people get educated for the purpose of making a difference. Jesus didn't say, come and I will teach you, period. Uh, he said, come, follow me, and I will teach you to be fishers of what? I've got a purpose in mind, and I'm going to educate you and sharpen you and hone you so that you're a tool that's going to accomplish this purpose. And when we divorce education from the calling that God puts into people's lives, the, the Greek word is telos, right? Purpose or goal or end. And when we divorce education from the, the, the purpose that God has for you, the reason he created you the way, the way he created you, 
Um, what we basically do is just set up what C.S. Lewis would have called mercenary education. It's aimed at money only. It's not aimed at something intrinsic to the person. It's not aimed at something organic. It's just aimed at educating people so that money can come along or some kind of career or job. And it's kind of the way Western education is, is gone and tilted. And somehow we want to try and bring it back to say, no, there's a, there's a calling that everybody has and it's a missional call. I don't care if you stay here and work at Starbucks, it's still a missional call that God has for your life. And if you go to Africa, it's a missional call that God has for your life. And what you do with it when you're in Starbucks or what you do when you're in Africa, whether you're a photographer or just a relational person or whatever it is, that's your unique way of accomplishing God's goal for your life, His plan, His telos. And ancient education always understood that, that it was directional, it was aimed at the calling of a person, the design of a person. And so we want to try and retool this college so that it really ties together hardcore classical education with the idea of a calling and mission for a person. And so it's going to be wild. I mean, this is really what's coming out next month. Um, And you're going to be seeing a ton of things about that. And um, God's bringing crazy pieces together to make that a reality. And it's something that we always had a passion for. Kim had a passion for it. I had a passion for it. Mike saw I mean, there's a ton of people that have had a passion for this thing. For, for not this thing, but just for education in general and missions in general. And then the school just ends up in your laps, and it's one of those crazy coincidences. And, and you just kind of stand back and say, okay, God, um, what do we do with it? And so just letting you know that's coming, we'll try and take a Sunday in a couple months here and just spell out the whole vision of that college because we're going to need a lot of people that are passionate about education as well to help out and really make that something that shines and that people are excited about. And in my mind, I'd love for it to be progressive enough that um, two years from now you see it on the, the cover of Christianity Today. You know, a different model of education aimed at a different type of person um, done in a different way. Uh, and so I'm, I'm crazy excited about the possibilities there. And all of that, Moody, partnership, president on down to department chairs and World Relief, um, Global Relief Organization, partnering with Antioch and High Desert Christian College, um, being given to Antioch, and all these things happening in the period of two months. Um, <laughs> like I try to think, how do I communicate to people how ridiculous that is? Like it's, and I, I couldn't come up with anything. So <laughs> um, afterwards, if you got a way that I could have communicated how unreal that is, I mean, if you've been around in the Christian world long enough, maybe you'll understand. It's unheard of. It doesn't happen. And it's coincidental and odd. And I think that's the way we started Antioch was uh, with the belief that we, we want high caliber people in this church. We want leaders in this church. And I've always been in churches where I look at it and there's, there's amazing people out there with amazing gifts and talents and experiences and, and they're, they're leaders and yet they're so disengaged from their church. And, and I've always been blown away at that. How come the leaders aren't vitally engaged in that church and accomplishing all these things? And, and the answer was always the leaders, um, there's no vision for them. The ceiling's not high enough for them to get excited. The dreams aren't big enough to need them. And so when we started Antioch, one of the things we wanted to do from the get-go is just dream really, really ridiculously big. Um, because I've learned that if I don't dream big and if I don't pray big, I don't seem to, to see any coincidences happening in my life at all. And when I dream big and when I pray big, 
all of a sudden I seem to see all these crazy coincidences and my wife and I call them coincidences with a capital C, right? And there's a, there's a con- connection between coincidence and providence that's pretty amazing. And if you've ever seen that, you understand it. And so we started the church with the desire to, to dream big dreams and to pray big prayers uh, with the desire that we would see providential things happening in the life of this church. And so what's blowing me away is just sitting back and, and going, wow, it's almost too much. God, this is crazy. I can't believe all these doors you're opening up. It's amazing. So if you want to get connected, just a couple things and then we'll wrap up. But um, if you have a guest house for an intern, if you're a graphic artist, we're like crazy overloaded with projects and can use you. Come find me. Um, if you are have any experience in higher education, we need you for the school. If you're crazy touched in your heart about missions, you don't even know where that's going to take you, but just, you just know you're burning with a passion, um, we need you. Come, come find me. Talk to me. If you just want to come talk to me, that's cool. Um, I'm relational, I guess. Um, but there's, there's so many ways that you can plug in with these things. And just a quick story, which is kind of wild. We went over there and we brought Benjamin with, and we were in uh, Burundi. And we're meeting with the country director, and the country director is just drilling me with like 50 gazillion questions about this relationship between Antioch and World Relief. And w- tell me about your church, and what's exciting? Why would World Relief partner with you? And I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, um, and so he's just grilling me with questions, and, and I'm trying to give him answers. And, and uh, we talk about the team we have over there, and I'm like, you know, we've got this professional photographer, and... And he's going to take pictures of the different projects that World Relief's doing. And we kind of went on. And finally, like, he just abruptly switched from question-asking mode to, okay, that's enough. And, but I got a question. I got one more thing I'd like to ask you. Um, your photographer guy that's going to take pictures. Do you, oh, oh, I got a backup. Tiny backup. Okay. The reason Ben was taking pictures of all these things is because World Relief's, like, paper documents, they're, um, you know, they're... Uh, they're not good. They're like text heavy and you're confusing. There's like 50,000 brochures and it gives you a headache. And, and so one of the things we thought was, well, it'd be really cool to go over, have Ben take all these pictures. And we just do this simple booklet, square, because everything we do is square at Antioch. And a square booklet with high impact pictures on the front and just a little blurb about child development, microfinance, HIV AIDS, um, church partnerships, like the different kinds of things World Relief does, just media-driven, clear, concise, you know, in this little booklet form. And, and it's only going to take Antioch one day to do this in the office. Gary's out there somewhere going, at least three days, Ken. Um, but it's, it's really going to, like, not take that long to do that booklet. So, so um, Ben was going to be getting these pictures, and we already had this idea in our mind, and Dan and I had talked about it, and we thought, wouldn't this be cool for World Relief, the national headquarters in Baltimore, to be able to see this and to go, wow, that's really clear and concise and cool, you know. And, and so we already plan on doing this. So in Gaeta, the country director in Burundi, going back to that, he stops abruptly and he looks at me. He says, your photographer's taking those pictures. I was like, yeah. Do you think he could, like, put that into a little booklet that would say a little bit about the projects? Because I'm traveling to the States and I just need something to be able to communicate what it is we do. And I'm just, I'm just kind of smiling and I'm just like, oh, that's so funny, you know coincidences or providences, you know, and, uh, and so I told that story to our team, and I was encouraging them, and I was like, you know, it's amazing to see how God works, well, fast forward, like, five days, 
and there's a young couple from Portland that are over there uh, in their 20s. And the wife is, is working you know, with World Relief, doing a lot of things over there. They grew up in Good Shepherd Church. And she gets me over dinner, and she says, okay, I haven't had time to talk to you yet, but you, you know, explain to me this whole thing again, you know, this partnership. And so I kind of went through it, and I was like, you know, your husband, you know how World Relief doesn't know how to use his videos, and he's a little bit frustrated because they just don't know how to use them. And like, well, we might be able to speak into that, hopefully, somehow, some way, you know. And, and not only that, and I kind of started describing this book thing. And uh, halfway through it, she's like all excited, and I could tell she wants to like interject, and, and uh, I decided I wasn't going to let her because I wasn't done talking. And, and, uh, and so I just sped up and ramped up my volume so she couldn't cut in, and because uh, I wasn't done yet. And, and, uh, and I kind of got to this point of, of, you know, the one part we don't have is I don't even know what the six whatever projects are that World Relief does. And I don't have any text for it. And I don't know how I'm going to write the text, the little blurb, to really make this, like, booklet work. And, you know, and so she finally couldn't take it anymore. And she just, you know, just jumps in and blurts out. She's like, I've already got it all. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I've wanted that thing right there for I can't tell you how long. I've been writing, you know, up the little paragraphs and sending it into Baltimore on Microsoft Word and, and they think it's better than what anyone else is doing. And she's like, and it's on Microsoft Word. You know, and she's like, I don't have any program to do it. I don't know how to do it. But I've got all the text for you. She's a great writer. Um, she goes, and I even got pictures, because she's also a photographer, of any of the things that you guys miss. And I was just like, no way. And so, you know, just providentially, we're able to, like, walk into it, hand to the country director this thing, bless this gal, you know, with this project she's been hungering for, and immediately kind of kickstart this thing. So it's just wild seeing some of those things kind of unfold. And there's a lot of ways in which this church is going to be able to use its gifts to do things that seem small to us, but somehow have a big impact to somebody else. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say is just is this. We, uh, we took as a verse from Ephesians chapter 3, um, God can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. That was kind of the dream big verse when we started out. You know, God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And, uh, you know, and you might be coming in here and life is messy and life is tough. I mean, I know I've been getting beat up a lot lately. And you're thinking, you know what? All I can do is just come and sit here on a Sunday. That's about all I've got in me. I don't, I don't have anything more. Um, and that's cool. That's okay, because I think the greatest thing we take away from this, hopefully, that we would take away from this, is that um, we should want to be a part of a community that's trying to make a difference in the world. Uh, at rock bottom, I think the greatest thing is to try and be a part of a community that's trying to make a difference in the world. And if all you get to walk away from this is just an encouragement or an ounce of excitement that even though you might not be able to do anything yourself, that you're a part of a body that is somehow making a difference in the world. And we all get to share in the joy because it's us, it's collaboration, it's togetherness. Let's pray. Father, we want to give back to you the glory for the things that you do in our midst. From start to finish, this is your deal. It's your church. 
and the good that happens is from you, you will grow your church. And I just pray that we'd be humble enough and that we'd be obedient enough, that we'd be relational enough to be able to enjoy the fullest of that. And uh, God, you're marvelous. You exceed our wildest dreams. Don't let us get complacent. Don't let us think it's about ourselves. Don't let us think that we're the ones changing the world. I pray that you just keep opening doors and you'd somehow be able to rebuke us and tell us that our big dreams are still too small. Um, Thank you for all that you're doing. And we pray this in Christ's name.